0: Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne.
1: And I'm Alice White. And Buddy, guess what? What? I have something really exciting that I want to share and run by you for this
0: episode. Uh, Yeah, I'm really excited about this. You know, in the grand tradition of Those Happy Places, uh, making sweeping uh, theories out of uh, minimal evidence... <laughs> Uh, And naming them after ourselves, Uh, Alice, uh, what would you call this theory that you're going to share with us?
1: So I have a theory that I would like to call the Alice White Canon Classification System.
0: Canon Classification System. Okay, and um, what, what exactly does that pertain to?
1: So I have devised a theory that breaks rides that have to do with IP. So uh, any IP ride, which is to say um, a ride based on a, a movie or a pre-existing book or TV show or anything like that, um, a, I, any kind of IP ride is, can be broken down into four different classifications. And those four classifications are, are unique and distinct, and each has their own pros and cons. And uh, so I would like to go through those four classifications with you and we can uh, we can discuss them and see if uh, and see if we can sort some of our favorite rides into these classifications.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the great thing about this theory, uh, based on what you've told about, told me about it already, uh, is that it's a little bit flexible at the moment. But I'm thinking we'll be able to really solidify kind of these categories um, in a way that actually is like useful for talking about theme park rides. Like, so often we are comparing apples to oranges when it comes to how rides present their narrative, right? Uh, and I think this classification system will actually start to tell us when we're doing that and why maybe doing that is not such a great idea. And it might be more effective to have these categories just kind of in place as it is.
1: Yeah. So. I'm really excited to talk to you about this because I know you have a you have a brain for sorting things. Um, <laughs> you're, you're just really good at it. And it's one of your strengths. And so I have these four categories that I have sorted IP rides into. And um, I'd like to start with the, the, the first one, which is the easiest and most straightforward, I think, of them. Um, and it's the classic, the classic ride the classic classification i don't i don't I, I i'm gonna fine-tune this this how to like what to call each category but the first one is the classic um so we're, we're gonna return real quick back to our second episode ever of this show and talk about fantasyland dark rides for a moment
0: Okay, yeah, uh, you know specifically we're talking about Fantasyland at Disneyland. So, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Pinocchio's daring journey, uh, Peter Pan's flight, and Snow White's scary adventure.
1: Absolutely, um, several of which are also in uh, in Florida.
0: And oh, let's not forget Alice in Wonderland.
1: Oh, could never such <laughs> a good ride. Um, and so. But like this kind of ride also can be not just the Disneyland version, but we're talking about the classic dark ride here. So this is an IP ride. All of these were movies or books first as far as like Mr. Toe was based on the movie or based on the book and uh, Wind in the Willows and, and, and all of that. So we've got the classic dark ride, which takes an IP, takes a story and then tells you the story, tell, gives you the story back, but in like a truncated version of the of the tale. So you're getting all of the like big story beats of the IP that you know and love. Um and you get a beginning and a middle and an end with a usually starts with a once upon a time and ends with a happily ever after and you get the whole story uh the whole IP kind of condensed into one ride. That's a classic.
0: Yeah, and and these rides are by necessity and by design, highly condensed versions of what they're representing. But we get the big scenes, right? Like in Pinocchio's Daring Journey, we uh, go from the workshop to I Have No Strings to getting trapped and sent to Pleasure Island. Uh, and then, you know, escaping and becoming a real boy. Oh, Monstro's in there at some point, too. <laughs> uh, and, like, we, we just run that down real, real quick. And basically, they're just set pieces, right? Um, but that's one way to tell a theme park story. Uh, and one way to connect it to an IP is just to say, this is the story you know and love. And yeah. yeah, I think classic is is a fitting word. Though maybe there's a better word at some point that we'll come across. But like this is how it started, right?
1: Right. So this is your you take your IP, you condense it down, and there's no extra parts of it. There's no um no scenes that that are like deleted. There're no deleted scenes or additional <laughs> parts like that are that you didn't already know that were part of your IP. Like here it is. This is your This is your IP, just shorter. Classic. That one's one's straightforward. We don't really need to have much discussion about that. We can already move on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and the, the only other thing to say about the Classic is that it does work. Like, it's an effective way to do a ride, and there's no reason to consider it, like, weaker, necessarily. Though we have our criticisms of the format, right? Like, it's still fine. It does work.
1: It's perfectly fine. It's a, it, it's a classic for a reason. It works. It's straightforward. It's great for kids. You can say, oh, there's those characters you love in the story you already know. No surprises. Yeah. Super fun. So we get to move on to uh, the next one. The second uh, class- canon classification in the Alice White system. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one I like to call abstract. That's the word I've chosen for it. Abstract. Now, the abstract version um, of the IP ride uh, is a story that it takes place maybe in the universe of the IP that you're addressing. um, But it's virtually unconnected from the IP, from the core IP story. It has nothing to do with the movie that it's based on, basically. It's, um, for example, the Incredicoaster. And California Adventure. It is a roller coaster that is takes place in the world of The Incredibles, I suppose. But it is virtually unconnected from the movie, except that the characters from the movie are there. There's not really a through line. You're kind of vaguely chasing Jack-Jack around. Um, but there's no... There's no, like... The set pieces are are still, and there's no like. The it's not telling the story of the Incredibles through a roller coaster. It's just the Incredibles as a roller coaster. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: like it. it this is reductive, and it's not fair to the Imagineers that made the Incredicoaster happen by you know somehow getting a story to fit on a pretty good, pretty fast roller coaster. Like. No knocks to them, but what makes the Incredicoaster the Incredicoaster is a Incredibles like paint job, right? Like they they put some Incredibles characters around it. They added the suggestion of a story, but the Incredicoaster doesn't tell an Incredibles story. It tells a story featuring the Incredibles, like <laughs> sure. It's not it's not expanding on the Incredibles as characters. It is not putting them through any particular struggle. Um, They're not, you know, growing or changing or exploring any relationships. It's not expanding our understanding of their world. Like, the premise of the Incredicoaster is that... The Incredibles are at a roller coaster for a dedication ceremony, and Jack Jack starts to teleport. Like, okay, <laughs> um, that's And then fun.
1: multiply, and then yeah, and the, you know, doing Jack Jack things. Yeah, and
0: I mean it- that's fun, but like it, it also it could be anything, right? It could be the uh, Inside Out emotional roller coaster, which actually sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it could be. Uh, you know, it, 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 you could you could pretty much put anything on it, and as it, long as you were hitting these broad beats, you wouldn't really be affecting how the story had to be.
1: Sure, it's a it's a like you, like you said, it's like a decorated roller coaster. Which again, not to sound reductive, because we I love the Incredicoaster. It's like a like a really cool. Roller coaster. I loved California Screaming before it. Um, It just, yeah, it's not doing anything like with the canon or with the IP other than just saying, here you go. uh, In a similar vein, Um, the next example I have that fits the abstract category is um, right next door, really. It's the Toy Story Midway Mania. Now, Midway Mania is a uh, it's a ride and a game all in one. We've talked about this and I think in our rides as games episode. yeah, you hop on and then your Toy Story friends uh, walk you through a series of games where you have like a little pop gun and you pull the little string and it using the uh, 3D screens. We'll have your, you know, your little pop gun shoots either little balls or little rings or something you're playing like carnival games. And it's the ride, the experience, the attraction is just let's play some carnival games with your Toy Story friends. It's not it's not telling you a story. It could be, again, any character. This could be an Incredibles midway mania if you wanted it to be, or an Inside Out midway. You know, they made the um, Inside Out emotional whirlwind right next door.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I think emotional roller coaster is such a great name for <laughs> for the roller coaster.
1: Um, and and that's just like a, a spinny ride featuring. Yeah. it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like yeah, a it's also ride
0: abstract. This could facing. be the the Toy Story uh whirl around or It know, was
1: it, yeah they had just it was uh, coaster, Flix right? Flyers was it not. <laughs> No, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it a, um, a carousel? No, Jesse's carousel no, is Jesse's, still there. No, that's Jesse's. That's
0: Jesse's pal around. No, Jesse's Jesse's roundup.
1: <laughs> Anyways, the, all of these rides. <laughs> let's Pixar Pier. Maybe in general, is, yeah, is kind of abstract in a. Let's ride a series of like classic rides, uh, roller coasters, and and games, and and carousels, and spinny rides and stuff. But let's do it also with your friends from Pixar. It's, yeah. um, it's cute and it's fun and it totally works like as a theme, but it's um, it's a little
0: abstract. Yeah, actually, I think that the abstract category might even grab some rides that you might be surprised hearing like the current definition. So I'd like to expand it a little bit. OK,
1: keep uh, going.
0: Because like I think that, for example, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters is also abstract. Like, okay. there's nothing really happening about that ride that is telling us a story about who Buzz Lightyear is or what he does. And in fact, in that ride, he's a toy. He uh, is definitely
1: so, a toy. There's batteries involved and everything.
0: Yeah, so like, in that one, it, it's very much just like, playtime in the Toy Story universe, and you get to be a part of that. You get to be inside of that, right? Um And it, it, so it's, it's like, fictionalized, like, you are to believe that Zerg is alive and doing bad things by stealing batteries but <laughs> also it's not it's not Toy Story 5 you know it's not like a secret side story within the Toy Story universe it's not really happening and so it's just kind of a spinny fun arcade game that happens to have your Toy Story pals yeah Um, you know similar is like uh, the Finding Nemo ride in Tomorrowland
1: I love the finding nemo ride i love the old submarine ride that was so so fun and so nice and very clever creative um and it like literally transports you into a a, a new perspective and a new world yeah but
0: it it is pretty darn immersive you've got to admit but but like you said
1: it's kind of just let's go in a submarine and then look through the windows at your friends from Finding Nemo as they swim around.
0: And it's not the story of Finding Nemo, which I think is, like, very important, right? It's not Nemo is lost and his father Marlin and friend Dory (laughs) need to find him. Like, that's not what's happening here, right? Instead, it's Nemo and friends are around the submarine you're in and you can hear them talk through the magic of technology. (laughs) Um... And that's it. And and there are beats in that ride that parallel the story of Finding Nemo, right? There's, uh, you know, going between um, mines underwater, right? And there's somebody says the words EAC. Um, (laughs) And I believe the sharks kind of attack, but don't attack the submarine, right? You're supposed to feel a little scared for a moment. Um, but like,
1: but it's not the story of Finding Nemo. It's right.
0: It's not. It's a, not retelling Finding Nemo at all, and it's, it's, it's not even finding, pretending to.
1: Finding Nemo themed submarine ride. Right. And it, it, so, like, if it was telling the story of Finding Nemo, for example, if it was trying to be a classic, you'd hop down in your little submarine and you'd watch Nemo get lost. You'd watch Marlin meet Dory. You'd, you know, there there are certain beats in that you'd watch Marlin and Dory. Um, go through the jellyfish and then meet crush and then you know you would see the, the the beats in that order and then the end scene would be like a loving touching reunion between Marlon and Nemo yeah the end happily ever after yeah but it's not that no that, w- that would be cute but it doesn't need to be that
0: right it, and it, it's not trying to be because this is an abstract application of the IP it's like what if? the submarine had Finding Nemo characters in it. And it it works. It does. Of course it does. Like, this is where the characters kind of belong. But also it's not telling a new story. Like, this also isn't Finding Nemo 2. Or I guess that would be Finding Dory. This isn't Finding Nemo 3. (laughs) Uh, It's not another brand new story featuring Nemo and friends. Oh, you go
1: through and then they go, hi, hello, how are you? Hi, it's it's Nemo. (laughs) and you go oh my god look it's nemo and and it's so cute and then the person next to you tries to take a flash picture through their window at nemo and you're oh like that's god. not how this works this
0: is this definitely some kind of projection technology you're ruining it for all of us it
1: was it was pretty funny <laughs> um, so the, yeah there's lots of examples of this and and abstract i think works as the name of this classification because it's kind of broad um it's and a little abstract in the rule, um, but what it can't do is tell the story of the original IP, and what it can't do is what I'm going to outline in uh, in number three. Um, number three is tentatively called <laughs> extra canon, all one word.
0: <laughs> extra canon. Extra canon. Uh, as as we almost named it exocanon.
1: Exocanon was also something that we <laughs> considered calling it. We are debating between the Latin and <laughs> Greek prefixes here.
0: <laughs> Via the exocanon. <laughs> um, what just, is an extra canon attraction?
1: So an extra canon attraction, as defined by the Alice White Canon Classification System, um, is a story that is being told about your IP that takes place on um, with quote maybe within canon maybe at the same time parallel to canon maybe um uh after canon maybe before canon it's between canon (laughs) it's definitely a story that could take place within the canon of the original ip um and it's a story that gets told with a narrative um but that it's not mentioned in your ip in your movie and um and it very well also could not have happened it's um it's extra Kevin <laughs>
0: yeah uh, let's maybe
1: give some examples and you okay, can so, you can get a better idea of what i'm talking about
0: yeah so, so to start you off I, i'm thinking almost immediately about guardians of the galaxy colon mission colon wait no
1: it's guardians of the galaxy dash mission call out break mission
0: colon colon breakout
1: breakout exclamation
0: (laughs) right exclamation point so um guardians of the galaxy dash mission colon breakout exclamation point is an attraction that tells a story about our friends the guardians of the galaxy who are marvel superheroes who have rich internal lives who have been in multiple films Whose history we can track and kind of know. Which yeah. which helps. Um, and the story of how they have a mission in which they break out from the collector's <laughs> collection um, is a story that like you know accurately matches their characterizations and showcases their abilities and resolves, right? And like feels like it works. In a world where these characters live. It feels canonical.
1: Right. There's nothing in Guardians of the Galaxy. T- I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because Mantis is present in right. the in the ride. There's nothing in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or any of the subsequent Marvel films that ever suggests that what happens in Mission Colon Breakout exclamation um, d- did never happen. There's nothing to suggest that this isn't an adventure that our friends could have been on. For all we know, this is perfectly canon, uh, and that it definitely happened for sure. They got captured by the collector, and Rocket broke them out. Right. But we don't, we don't, we don't know that if that's true. We don't know if that's canon, um, but it could be, and that's why it's called extra canon.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of a you know to, to take a cue from comic books, as this ride obviously is it's kind of a what if story it's what if these characters went and had this adventure like exactly maybe it happens maybe it doesn't it is extra canon it reminds me a little bit of like the star wars extended universe right where we have varying levels of canon based on how plausible the story is to have happened um and it also reminds me of other attractions where these things could kind of happen but we don't have clear answers on like when or even if they really did
1: yes we're gonna get to my the next example is probably my favorite example of extra canon um which is to say the amazing ride uh indiana jones temple of the forbidden eye Yes, at, at Disneyland.
0: Yeah, so so Indiana Jones didn't walk on screen on in any of his movies and say, "This reminds me of my adventure in the Temple of the Forbidden Eye," <laughs> which would be amazing. Actually, <laughs> if they would could be do pretty that.
1: Pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would like that in the if they ever make another Indiana Jones movie. I would love a reference. To Please Harrison, Tem- just just Please. drop it in. <laughs> um, but but. We know that Indiana Jones goes on, like, so many adventures. (laughs) You know that he's done more than just the three, now four, um, talking about four. Three and a half. Like, it didn't. (laughs) Happen years ago (laughs) um (laughs) we have four indiana jones movies and those we know are not his only adventures he has years of experience and years of of artifacts in his house and and places and stories that he's been we we know that indiana jones has more adventures than are detailed on screen why couldn't temple of the forbidden eye be one of them
0: the only thing keeping Temple of the Forbidden Eye from being considered canon to the Indiana Jones films is that there isn't an Indiana Jones film that is subtitled Temple of the Forbidden Eye, uh, and that we have no details beyond that, right? Like, sure. we only have what's in the ride, and the ride exists extra-canonically. Yes. It, it, it exists beyond and yet somewhat attached to, adjacent to, the canon.
1: Yes, and so that's why this is, I think, maybe my like purest example of what I mean by extra canon in this uh, in this classification system, um, th- is that it's truly believable as something that could definitely have happened um, in in the original you know, story in, in the story of Indiana Jones. It just, the only, yeah, like you said, the only reason why it's not canon is because it's not a movie. Yeah. But I think it should be canon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess the only reason this and mission breakout are not canon is because they're not canon. Like all it would take (laughs) is acknowledgement. Right. And you know, there is like a mission breakout comic book. Like it, it exists. But, like, also that is of, of dubious canon when it comes to the MCU, right? So it's it's just hard to say where these lines get drawn in terms of IP without some word in, I guess, the highest level of canon text, which would be in the films, right? right. Because these are primarily film franchises. Sure. Um, but, like, for example, with Indiana Jones, I think part of what makes it so believable is... Like, the characters that are there, Indy and Sala specifically, behave how you would expect, right? Like, they, they are themselves. Um, the adventure feels like an Indiana Jones adventure. You know, you're dodging darts in a hallway you're t- running away from a boulder, which how common is a boulder trap in ancient temples?
1: <laughs> we don't know. It could be super common for it all we be, know. It could
0: be 50%. It could be 10%. It's more than one, <laughs> I guess.
1: It's just different. A, and that's the thing is that there are a couple of beats that are definitely meant to make you think about like the opening scene from Raiders. Yeah. The thing with the darts coming out of the wall and the rolling boulder. And there's even a part that's supposed to kind of make you think of... Um, uh, Temple of Doom Um, with the when you go in and it dips down and there's all those skulls everywhere. And it's, yeah. it, that feels like Temple of Doom. Um, but they're not set pieces taken directly from the IP. They're original designs. The rolling boulder scene in Indiana Jones does not does not look like it does in the ride. It, it's different. Yeah, it's,
0: it is. It is entirely different. The boulder that he runs away from in the beginning of Raiders destroys the temple on the way out, right? Like it's it's a whole different kind of thing.
1: And he's not hanging from the rope like he is in the in the ride, right? Yeah. Um so it's it's different. It's meant to make you think of it, but it's different. So for all we know, it could be a, just another temple with a cool rolling boulder. Maybe they have the same architect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> you don't. You don't.
1: And so that's why that's my favorite example. Now I want to get to kind of a kind of a weird example of extra canon, as to kind of maybe as a almost an exception that proves the rule, um, as far as like what is or is not canon. Um, I want to talk about how Disney is handling their Star Wars IP
0: in it's two different places. Specifically in the parks, right?
1: In the parks, they're handling their Star Wars IP in two different distinct spots. And those spots are Star Tours and Galaxy's Edge. Um, by first of all, by having them as separate places all together on the map already, kind of messes with the idea of the of canon. Um, or, or like, is Star Tours canon to Batu? Like, does does Star Tours land in Batu? We don't know. Does, is Star Tours canon at all? P- probably.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Star Tours, for me, and we actually talked about this way back in one of the episodes where we were talking about Star Wars or Star Tours as as a canonical text, right? Like, is Star Tours canon? Uh, These days, I'm leaning more towards no. Like, Star Tours feels like uh, something else. And actually, I feel like we might reserve judgment on it until we have maybe another category to put it in. Um, But Star Tours itself feels like a canon concept that doesn't tell a canon story if that makes sense
1: right the idea of of a tour of the stars uh like an airline that exists in star wars makes perfect sense to me yeah um passenger travel through the stars um but was a star tour's uh, pilot and ship involved in various aspects of the resistance. Um, was was Kylo Ren ever on one of the launching pads for Star Tours, trying to keep a rebel spy from escaping? Is or this, was
0: it Darth Vader? You know, or Darth knows? Vader because
1: it's different every time you write it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the I want to talk about the original Star Tours for a second. Because okay. in the original Star Tours, when we when we were writing it as kids. Um, Star Tours was not a variant ride. It had one plot and one script and, and um, one adventure, and that was it. And that adventure involved you at, in the Star Tours ship with your very good friend, Captain Rex, flying into a trench run and destroying a Death Star. Notice how no. he said, a oh, Death Star, though.
0: a uh, Death Star. Uh, to be fair, the star speeder 3000 isn't the one that fires the photon torpedoes that destroyed the death star are you sure <laughs> i'm sure it doesn't have photon torpedoes it's the it's the x-wing in front of it that does
1: okay it's a way he, must be he right says right in front of it then yeah <laughs> um because i'm pretty sure that no yeah we don't have yeah the star speeder 3000 does have four uh, photon torpedoes but it did have blasters
0: it does have lasers yeah
1: yeah um, Which is very cool. Um, so yeah, you get involved in a fight over a death Star. <laughs> um, and you are with the person who destroys it. And that person is not Luke Skywalker. No. Um, so is it uh, is it another Death star? Is it a, uh, is it fully, so fully non-canon that it doesn't belong in this category at all? <laughs>
0: i think i think star tours 1.0 exists as an extra canon text like the idea that there's some other death star and that a star speeder is involved in it is plausible enough okay uh and you know that luke isn't involved in its destruction sure why not like completely plausible uh Though I would say that this is an edge case. Like, I don't know how extra canonical it really is because of all those dubious things about it. Like, R2 and 3PO work as technicians in Star Tours Station, sure. (laughs) Okay, this is getting a little, like, way too connected. I'm starting to think maybe it gets closer towards Abstract, where this is a story a lot like a star tour star wars story right. uh featuring some of your favorite pals but it's a simulator theme to star wars really um and all that's keeping it away from abstract for me is my just absolutely personal wholehearted belief that Captain Rex is a very real droid and I was on an adventure with him. <laughs> it's just <laughs> well, this Cap- intense belief that I have.
1: <laughs> Captain Rex's existence in other canon could um could be like a point in that in that favor. It could be a point in your in your favor in calling it an extra canon um, you know, ride. Because Uh, Captain Rex is hanging out now as a DJ over in Batu in Galaxy's Edge.
0: Or at least an RX unit that looks and sounds a lot like him.
1: His name is DJ Rex. (laughs) 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 I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be him.
0: Captain Rex's designation is RX-24. I mean, is this a different or similar RX unit? Like, maybe they all go by Rex. Who knows? I don't know. It's really, it, it is... It is plausible that it's the same one.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the same one. Uh, But, you know, even if it's not. um, There are
0: other, like, examples of a Star Tours type transport in canon materials. Like, in Rebels, they get on a Star Speeder that's piloted by an RX unit.
1: Yeah, see? Um,
0: And so that means that Star Tours as a concept, again, could exist. Now, if Star Tours 1.0 as a story really exists, is beyond me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Star Tours kind of, yeah, as a whole, probably maybe fits in the extra canon um, classification, but it this could be the, um, the, the outlying piece of data that throws the whole thing off. <laughs> um, real quick to talk about Galaxy's Edge, as far as extra canon stuff. Um, Galaxy's Edge, Has a like a very specific point in canon where it's supposed to take place between the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, and Rey is there, and Kylo Ren is there, and um, the Resistance is like active, and um, and so it has like a place in canon. That it's very unique in that way. I think Batu and Galaxy's Edge is probably the most extra canon of all of these examples as far as like this is clearly supposed to to have a place in the star wars universe um but we don't know of a time that hondo had the millennium falcon parked on batu right we don't like we don't know that there that was like a thing that happened it's not addressed in any of the films but right. it's so not outside the realm of possibility. It is fully within the realm of possibility. Right. <laughs> that that was a thing that that could that happened at one time. Um and so the whole existence, that whole land when you are in there talking to Ray and uh, and hanging out with and I Marathi sneaks, sneaks by, um, you know, trying to recruit people to the resistance. That's all that's a, a all Like, basically, canon. It's as close to canon as you can get without actually being canon. It's very similar to the Indiana Jones ride, but it's a whole land dedicated to that idea.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you said, I think um, Galaxy's Edge is maybe the most extra canonical text that we have in, at least at Disney Park at this point, right? Like, maybe there's something we're, we're forgetting, but as far as Disney parks go, you know. Galaxy's Edge is the most ambitious in terms of trying to tell a story that takes place in an IP that has very specific details to make it plausible within the IP. Uh, not to mention the canonical stuff that's been written about Batu uh, and all of the you know parallel texts to Galaxy's Edge, of which there are many. Yes, uh,
1: there's a couple of comics, at least two novels, lots of stuff about Batu.
0: Yeah, so that that places it really firmly in the realm of. In in fact, I think that might even take Batu, the land, the concept, out of extra canon and just kind of into canon. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the only and, reason
1: why I want to call it extra canon is the existence of the characters that you know and love, and right. uh, and the ride. Um, a Millennium Falcon smugglers' run,
0: right? So those both kind of don't really fit into our understanding of what was happening with the characters according to the movies,
1: right? The Millennium Falcon being parked in the spaceport, there, on um, Batu kind of, yeah, is slides it on over to extra canon, <laughs> just a little bit.
0: I mean, it could happen. It could.
1: It could have um, absolutely could have happened, and um, and I have so much more to say about galaxy's edge (laughs) and in fact we had so much to say about galaxy's edge that we ended up recording a a special bonus episode about galaxy's edge and the canon um that it assumes um and that extra bonus episode is uh live for our patrons right now on our patreon feed
0: patreon.com slash those happy places
1: and yeah if that's something you want to hear you should go check it out and maybe subscribe
0: yeah uh you know okay so one last thing about batu Okay. is is that it's it's placed in time and given characters and kind of brought to life in in like a time loop, right? Like that same day on Batu is going to happen over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Um which is great and fun. Uh and I think that specificity, like you said, does bring up problems when it comes to its attractions, right? Like did this really happen to our, our favorite pals, or is this kind of an extra canonical story? Well, if Ray had just said, "This reminds me of our adventure on Batu," at some point in Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> we wouldn't be having this conversation. No, we would. We, we'd be like, "Oh man, Batu super canon."
1: <laughs> um,
0: but instead, they, you know, they didn't, and there are still those levels of canonicity. <laughs> um, to consider when we're talking about what counts in-universe and what doesn't.
1: I love it. So the fourth and final canon classification in the Alice White canon classification system is one that is um, fairly small, I think. And um, I can really only think of one or, well, two, ne- two adjacent um, that really fits into this category, but I'd really love for someone to come and bring me more examples. Um, yeah, these
0: are, these are fun examples. They're good um,
1: examples. And, and it's a fun category that I think needs to exist, but, um, but I need more examples to fill it out. Okay. So this last category is called anti-canon, <laughs> <laughs> um, Anti-canon is anything, any ride, that actively breaks canon. <laughs> not just exists outside of, and not and not, not extra canon, and not abstractly, like vaguely within canon. Um, this is a ride that actively says no to the canon that exists, and just wants to get rid of it altogether. So, the examples that actively break the canon of the IP that they belong to are... The two rides that exist at Harry Potter World. <laughs>
0: well there there's there's a third one in Orlando now, Hagrid's oh. motorbike adventure, and we okay, haven't that's been true. on it.
1: Haven't been on it, can't speak to it. Okay. So the two rides at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter that are your um your screen, your combo screen simulator, um like thrill attractions. Whatever sure. whatever those are the two it's uh it's the forbidden journey and the escape from gringotts rides those yes. these two rides <laughs> well the most fun genuinely super fun exciting lovely rides um these aren't just <laughs> these are not canon in any way whatsoever and in fact actively break the canon of the ip that they're Attached to,
0: which is which is totally wild because I would say that the wizarding world of Harry Potter in both iterations and in both parts, you know, the Diagon Alley and the Hogsmeade sections, uh, don't do right. that. They the don't lands. actively break canon.
1: The lands themselves,
0: yeah, no, but not at the, all. The attractions do. They Very have these, these glaring errors in what is happening and when and where that say to the uh, perhaps the attentive audience um this isn't the canon event <laughs> this is not the event as it happened
1: this is not the event as it happened and it's not just here's a fun adventure with your friends that would kind of put it in the abstract category yeah this is like defiantly anti-canon <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is so uh, strange again.
1: It's so strange, um, and again, super fun, beautiful, awesome rides, uh, titans of technology. Um, but let's let's talk about each one like very briefly. Okay. Um, we've talked about the Forbidden Journey. Uh, extensively in its own episode. We've referenced a lot of early episodes in, in this one. Yeah, I um, think this
0: is kind of a, uh, a refining of some early ideas we had.
1: I love it. Uh, so we talked about the Forbidden Journey, and we specifically did spend some time talking about um, where in canon does the Forbidden Journey take place and the answer is n- nowhere <laughs> it doesn't take place in canon at all because it's actively breaking canon you've got the dragon flying around like it's year four ron's on the quidditch team like it's year five or six uh they're playing quidditch at all which it couldn't have happened in year four where the dragon was present right um you it's
0: there are dementors <laughs> there are dementors which is a year three, thing. A year three thing absolutely or year seven <laughs>
1: <laughs> or year seven. It could be three or seven if the Dementors are on campus, but year seven didn't have Quidditch either. So
0: It also didn't have Harry Ron or Hermione.
1: On campus, that's true. And if you look at them, it looks like they filmed the um like going by how old they look, um, the the actors, Daniel Radcliffe Rupert Grant and Emma Watson, they look like it should be about year six, just by like their how like how old they look, they look to be about sixteen, right? Um, and the outfits that that Hermione's wearing, I guess. Um, but then at one point they're standing, like, when you're in line and you see the projection of them, like, talking to you, telling you, like, oh, we're about to go on an adventure. They look way younger. They look like they're in, like, year three. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, It's just, there's nowhere in canon, none of this fits in canon anywhere. It's deliberately anti-canon.
0: Yeah, and anti-canon is not the opposite of canon. Like, it it doesn't create new canon it doesn't like make a new timeline it just isn't a canon story i guess non canon might work fine too right like it's it's essentially fan fiction yes um where we tell a story that has some of the trappings of the universe and characters and the characters might act quite accurately to how we might expect, and the universe might have rules that match what we might expect, but the history is wrong, right um, or or different, right? Like, uh, because because the differences in the escape from Gringotts are they're of a different variety, like
1: right? The yeah, escape from Gringotts is that. The anti-canon in that ride is, like, anti-canon of a different flavor than, than Forbidden Journey. Because uh, Escape from Gringotts doesn't just... It's not just, like, um, like, the Forbidden Journey takes place nebulously in the world of Harry Potter. But Escape from Gringotts takes place on, like, a very specific day in Harry Potter canon. Which is the day that Harry, Ron, and Hermione break into and then out of Gringotts. And so you're supposed to be there for that adventure. But things happen on that adventure that don't happen in the book or film at all. Voldemort's there.
0: (laughs) He's not supposed to be there.
1: He's not supposed to be there at all. We're not supposed to run into him until way later in the story. But he's just there. He threatens you. He takes control of your car for a minute. It's very cool. Uh, He had Bellatrix Lestrange. Bellatrix Lestrange is there. But Hermione had snuck into Gringotts disguised as Bellatrix Strange and somehow, uh, and Bel- she was able to do that because Bellatrix Lestrange was like um, under house arrest by Voldemort for messing up so bad and capturing Harry. It's a whole thing why Bellatrix Lestrange shouldn't be like hanging out in Gringotts <laughs> at all. It's it's so so anti-canon. It has nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah. So I guess the question is like why anti-canon and i guess the answer is because in those cases the experiences are the the focus is on a pastiche of experiences right right and so for example like why have bellatrix and voldemort there if they couldn't be there well it's kind of because you know a theme park audience wants to see all the stuff. They want to see the big bad. They don't want to see some minor bad guys go down in this ride. Like
1: That's they, want to, true. they want to
0: face off with the big bad guy. You You're know?
1: absolutely right.
0: Why are there Dementors in the Forbidden Forest? Because... Like, They're
1: iconic.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a look, it's a feeling, and you know, the, the actual truth of what happened to Harry, Ron, and Hermione on the day when they opened Hogwarts up to let muggles go on a tour,
1: <laughs>
0: um, doesn't matter to to the people telling that story. Like they're right. they're not concerned with it. It kind of reminds me of the uh, Jurassic Park River Adventure. Oh um, yeah, which, like, there's no way in the canon of the film Jurassic Park that the River Adventure could open and uh, have guests on it, and have guests on it and break down and the T-Rex could die? I'm not sure what happens at the end of the Jurassic Park River adventure. We've talked about this. Um, I, I, but the, yeah, attack the, and die.
1: Attack and float mysteriously midair, right? while you um,
0: drop. And That's actually so,
1: a really good example.
0: Actually, I'm thinking that this is a universal problem. Ooh. Where rather than abstracting their franchises, they choose to tell a story that captures the like iconography of the story and some of the characters yes and even some of the storyline but in a way that is not neither adding to nor abstractly representing the canon interesting Uh, they they never tell exactly the story of the movie either so I'm thinking about, like, the Back to the Future ride. Like, no,
1: yeah, it's not the story of the movie.
0: Right. Uh, neither but, is
1: the Simpsons ride, ta- like, could take place kind of anywhere at any time in The could, Simpsons.
0: but there's, like, no analog for a lot of what happens in The Simpsons ride in the actual established canon of the show of The Simpsons, which is extremely flexible, but, like, <laughs> there is no crusty land that looks like the crusty land you go through, right? right. Like, that's not a thing. No. Um... So I and guess so,
1: you're, wow, I guess you're right. That It's, you, although you called it a universal problem, I, I don't think it's a problem.
0: It's a universal feature. Like, I'm thinking about, um, for example, the Transformers ride too. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Like, we go on this adventure with our friend Evac, the human car that we're inside of, <laughs> which is scary and fun too, I guess. It's um, so fun. But, you know, like, Megatron dies at the end of that.
1: Yeah, you see his little lights go out and everything. It's kind of so kind of did ter- Megatron terrifying. not
0: die at the end of the Transformers, the movie one? Or, or, I don't know. But I guess he gets brought back in the other movies, so it's like, whatever. But, like, this is anti-canon. It's, it's, anti- it's-,
1: it's anti-canon. It's an adventure through the most iconic parts of the Transformers IP that you know and love. You get to see Optimus. You get to see Bumblebee. You get to see... Starscream, you get to you know, everybody shows up and makes yeah. a cameo and you go, Wow, I just had a super fun Transformers-themed adventure. Which and by the know, way, that ride slaps.
0: It, it does actually slap. Like it does, which is weird because those movies don't, but the ride's pretty <laughs> the good. The ride is
1: super good.
0: Um and so, yeah, it, it does seem to be a universal thing because I can't really think of a Disney attraction where the IP is kind of pastiched. To that point, except Alice for one. Ooh, which one? Star Tours.
1: oh Star Tours.
0: <laughs> I, honestly, when I was like, it's abstract maybe, or maybe it kind of fits inside of extra canon, I was kind of waiting to drop this on you. It's anti-canon.
1: Star Tours is anti-canon.
0: And and it's anti-canon because, and, and I think in both of its iterations, it's a fun romp in a plausible version of your universe, your IP universe that also just couldn't possibly count the way it does. Like, it's just not as important as it seems, or it it just couldn't happen the way it looks like it does. Like R2 and 3PO can't be here. You can't meet Darth Vader and then get a, uh, transmission from Maz Kanata.
1: (laughs) No, you can't, you
0: can't, you can't, go through the planet core of Naboo and then experience the battle on Hoth and then crash into, you know, Tatooine or, or Jakku. Like it's not going to happen. Like those things happen at vastly different times on different ends of the galaxy with different characters. And this is pastiche. This is a, this is an anti-canon experience. I love it. it. It's fine too. Like, it works just like what we were saying about Forbidden Journey, right? Like, it's a fine ride. It has everything you want out of a Harry Potter ride if you're a fan. Like, you get it all. You get to see the sorting hat in the queue. Like, it's, you see it all. <laughs> it's all there. And yet, it's not a true Harry Potter story, it's no. a representation of Harry Potter things. Uh, in a novel way, in a very experiential way. Uh, and I think that's actually good. Anti-canon functions in a very unique way. You're right, I would I jumped the gun when I said problem. I think it functions in a way that allows us to experience impossible stories. The last thing we want to be concerning ourselves with when we're on a theme park ride is uh yeah what day when they were opening jurassic park did this boat ride happen (laughs) sometimes you don't want to be wondering about that
1: yeah no you're absolutely right
0: well alice it sounds like our conversation about the alice white canon classification system a new and very official theme park academic term uh has come to an end but the conversation does continue online
1: absolutely the conversation always continues online because online's where we always are the best place to find us to talk to us at any hour of any day about theme parks rides attractions star wars canon and otherwise um is definitely on twitter you can follow the show at happy places pod and you can follow us individually as well
0: Yeah, I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E.
1: And I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at AliceWhiteTHP for those happy places.
0: Yeah, and you know what, Alice? If people like what we do and they want to support what we're doing when we're talking about theme parks, rides, and attractions, like their literature, and we're coming up with these great classification systems of (laughs) how to think about going to theme parks, or how to think about how theme park rides tell their stories if people want to support that. The best way they could do that is by telling other people about our show and spreading the word. Absolutely. And if they wanted to send some money, how could they do that?
1: <laughs> well, they would have to hit us up over at patreon.com slash those happy places. At patreon.com slash those happy places, you can find ways to support us at any budget. And anybody who signs up at the show can get access to our bonus minisodes. We publish those at least once a month, where we take some of these bigger concepts we break them down nice and tiny or sometimes we just like to tell jokes about Star Wars yeah <laughs> and, and there there's a lot of them and they're all fun and you can access the entire back archive of bonus mini episodes if you join us at any Patreon level
0: yeah and there's also stickers and pin sets that we can send along and things like that so definitely go ahead and check it out at uh, www.patreon.com slash happy places and to those that are already supporting us, uh, we thank you. Uh, every one of our supporters, uh, you are gentle people and scholars. We are eternally grateful for your support. Uh, and Alice, can we uh, hear some of those names right now?
1: Yeah, one of the benefits at some of the tiers on our patreon is to get your name read at uh, on every single episode. Of every show that we do. Of every show that we do. So here's our list. We've got April L., Aslam C., Charles G., Ian E., Nick H., Reed J., AJG, Joe W., and Kate P. Are all amazing, and we love them very much.
0: That's true. Alice, I think I'm going to add some music to this episode.
1: And where would you have found that music?
0: All of my music comes from Kevin McLeod. He has a website, Incompetech.com, where his music thousands of compositions are available under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license, which allows us to use that music simply by saying this. Thank you, Kevin. Please check the show notes for the license information and track list.
1: Thank you, Kevin. And also, big thanks to the writers of our theme music which should be ramping up right about now
0: i hear it it's golden gate by the california feet warmers featuring phil alvin you can hear more music by the feet warmers by going to their website www.californiafeetwarmers.com
1: yes big thanks to the feet warmers and phil alvin for this amazing track i love it so much
0: I do too. And Alice, a big thank you to you. You are my favorite co-host. You are an amazing person. You are a genius who came up with probably the smartest classification system on this show so far
1: oh gosh well thank you so much for letting me workshop it through you live on this show (laughs) um and for helping me refine it and making it even better you always punch up any idea that i have and you're uh you're just an absolute joy to work with and my best friend
0: and to everyone out there thank you for listening and i hope you return to those happy places